You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Allow me to share from God's Word this morning. Have you ever looked at your life and the endless blur of activities, uh, work, family, fa- uh, family obligations, activities, sometimes extracurricular activities for your children, and I know we're gearing up for the school year for not only our college students, but also for our students there in elementary, middle, and high school, and there's a lot of activity that goes along into that. And how many times have you felt like there's so much going on in my life that my life is kind of spinning out of control? It feels like you started the wheel spinning, but then at a certain point, you kind of lost control of the tempo and exactly how fast things were going, and you realize, I no longer have control over my life and what's going on with it. Sometimes it seems it goes from one moment to the next where life is really busy, uh, for, to go from a moment of where things seem like they're completely normal and under control and to find things spiraling out of control. At times feeling like you can't even catch your breath. And in times like that where there are things that are not only by our own design, but sometimes things that happen to us that we can't control or have no control of, we may look at that constant spinning and activity and say, God, what are you doing to me right now? God, what are you trying to prove? What are you trying to accomplish in all this? Why are things like this? And so this morning, I, the image that kind of came to mind for me is the image of a potter and the clay. A potter and a clay. And when a potter shapes clay on a wheel... It's during the spinning that the shaping takes place. It's during the spinning that the shaping takes place. This picture came to me this week as I was preparing for this message. You know, for thousands of years before cups and bowls were made out of glass or tin or other uh, materials, most things were made out of clay. Clay taken from the ground, kneaded, molded, shaped together, and made into an object by the potter, glazed and then fired to harden so that it'd be suitable for use. Clay, if it's not fired, is still brittle and dirty, and it needs to be finished in order to be used. So if you just went outside, took clay, made a cup out of it, let it dry, and then you decide you're going to put water in it, you'd have a very dirty cup of water. Because the clay was not designed and made to just simply be formed and not fashioned. So clay had to be spun, it had to be kneaded, but it also had to be fired. Are you getting the picture so far that sometimes when it comes to our life that there are things where God needs to create and form us, but he also needs to fire us so that we are finished for his work. And as God does that in our life, you know, it can be uncomfortable at times. It can be challenging. But there is something that God wants to finish and accomplish in us. My sister-in-law, Carissa, owns a pottery studio. Well, I should say she rents out a pottery studio. And she teaches classes where she gets her students to create things like cups and mugs and and trays and plates. Uh, And so she shapes those things. And she absolutely loves doing it. When she's working with clay, she's truly in her element. If you were to have a conversation with you, she would tell you about her studio and she would tell you about uh, the different kinds of custom glazes that she's made and how they each form a different color. And even though they're pale, when you put them on a particular pot, 
that when they're fired, they turn into an orange or a blue and it changes color and how she's made some on her own and created them. And you can tell that she loves what she does. But there's a process to every piece and there's a journey that it goes through before it becomes what it's supposed to be. It's kneaded, rolled out, shaped, molded, and fired. And the Bible tells us, too, that we as men and women are like clay. And so I want you to take a look at that, is that, you know, um, our relationship with God is much like the relationship between the potter and the clay. God forms us. He has a purpose for us. He's creating us with something in mind and it's being spun and shaped. And there are times in our lives where we don't understand the whir and the buzz of activity that we're going through and what it has to do with anything that God has in store for us. But we must remember that first that we are clay. Genesis 2, 7, when it talks about God forming the first man, it says that in Genesis 2, 7, it says that Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground breathing into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Genesis account of creation tells us that man was formed from the dust of the earth, and God shaped that dust, that clay, into the shape of a man exactly the way that he wanted him to be, carefully forming and fashioning him. I want you to get a picture of this for a minute. Because here we see God in the garden, in the beginnings of creation, getting his hands dirty in order to create mankind. We see that God is carefully forming and fashioning man out of the dust of the earth. You say, well, pastor, that's dust, not clay. But if you ever tried to form dust into anything, you'd know that we're not really just talking about dust, are we? The only thing dust forms is a layer, like on your dressers and TV, right? It doesn't really make anything good. So we're talking about clay here that God, the Father, you know, creating out of the dust of the ground, out of the clay, carefully molding and fashioning nose and eyes and ears and arms and fingers. We don't often think about that when we read this because we're like, well, God, yeah, God formed man out of the dust of the earth. It formed him out of clay. But think about the process by which he's actually doing that. He didn't need to do it that way. If you read Genesis chapter 1, everything God created up until that point, he spoke, and it was. He spoke, and it was. But we see in the creation of mankind, God taking his time, being very careful, being very deliberate and intentional in the way that he is shaping and forming man out of the dust of the earth. So the idea of clay is not something new when it comes to our relationship with God that God formed him in that way. So imagine God getting his hands dirty to create mankind. We don't often think about that, but he's down there in the dirt. And then even more uh, incredible than that, it says that he leans down and breathes into the nostrils and the mouth of this formed clay man, and the man draws breath and is given life. God gives life through the breath of his spirit. That's how much we need him to breathe life into us so that we can be alive in him. Psalm 103, 14 says, For the Lord, for he, the Lord, knows our frame, and he remembers that we're just dust. We are dust. He knows that we are 
made of dust. Clay is fragile. Even when it's completed, it can still be broken. Clay demonstrates the fragility of man and how quick and short life can be. The psalmist then goes on to talk about how man is like grass that's here one day and then thrown into the fire the next. But the Lord and His covenant are everlasting to everlasting the same, and His people can put their trust in Him. Now, I want you to think about this, because when we think about something that's made of pottery, we know that all you need to do is drop that mug, and it smashes, right? That lovely teacup that your grandmother gave you that you enjoy at tea time, all you need to do is drop it on the floor, and it's broken. Interestingly enough, how God has described mankind as made of clay, fragile, easily broken, And some might look at that and say, well, because we are fragile and easily broken, because life is short and brief, we should not be doing anything because there's always that possibility that our life could end. But I would rather be broken in the Lord's use than sit on a shelf and not be used. I'm going to say that again. I would rather be broken in the Lord's use than sit on a shelf and not be used. God didn't create us to be put in a display case to be admired, but formed us to be filled up, poured out, and used over and over again. When God formed us and created us vessels for his use, he didn't say, you know what, that person's really pretty, let's put them on display somewhere, and people can look at them, but they can't touch them or interact with them. That's not where God created us. If you read the Genesis account, it said they gave man the responsibility over the earth to tend to it and take care of it. That's what we were created for. We were created to be used. A vessel that was formed, fashioned, to be poured into, to pour out of, and to be used over and over again. It wasn't a one-time use. You're not the, you know, cardboard milk container of human beings. You aren't just a one and done, but that God created you for continual and repeated use for his purposes and for his glory. To further this idea of man being like a clay vessel, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power of God may be of God and not of us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. So the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Maybe you read through that verse and you say, you know, I've, I've been there. I've been hard-pressed. On every side. I've been perplexed. I've been persecuted. I've been struck down. But notice that we are designed to take these things, but yet to endure. And notice what the intent is to be seen, is that we as fragile clay vessels have a treasure inside of us, which is Christ, that as we go through these things, even in our cracking and even in our breaking, when people peer on the inside, they see Jesus, or at least they should, that they would see Christ in us so that when they look, they would say, okay, I see what keeps them going. I see why they are uh, 
hard pressed but not crushed. I see while they, why they are perplexed but not in despair. I see why they're going through these things and how they're able to keep going. It's because he has formed us and he holds us together. Now, how is a clay vessel formed? This might look like your life here for a minute. Can you imagine? Okay, you're sitting in the center, okay? And this, this, this piece of clay, this lump of clay is just thrown down onto this wheel. And back in uh, older times, before they had electricity and stuff like that, there would be someone, they would, just, they would just pump on a pedal, and that wheel would start to turn. And as they continued to pump that pedal, it would go faster and faster, And the clay is just like this, going around and around and around and around until the hands of the potter touch it. Now, the potter would dip their hands in water. There's a little basin around it, and they would dip their hands in that water, and they would keep the clay moist so it could be formed and shaped and fashioned. And you know how the clay is fashioned? The clay is fashioned when the potter decides to start digging his fingers in. When he starts applying pressure to the outside, when he starts shaping it and molding it, and as the spinning is taking place, as, as, as this motion is happening here, as the, the, the potter is, is placing his hands and his fingerprints on it, that's when it starts to take shape. But the, the piece of clay, all they can see is, oh, 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 what's going on here, right? The, the clay has no idea what its end result is going to be. The clay has no idea what it will eventually become. All it knows is that this is really uncomfortable. All it knows is that it just feels like, when is the spinning going to stop? All they know is that I don't like being pushed and prodded and poked at and shaped. And and this feels uncomfortable at the time. And even asking, well, what are you doing? The Bible talks about the potter's wheel as it's God's creative process for our lives. Clay is formed by spinning it on a wheel. Now, in some cases, it's rolled out through a roller, which is probably even less pleasant than a spinning wheel because that's flattened and then just run through time and time again. And sometimes you might think to yourself, well, I feel like I've been flattened time and time again by the circumstances of life. But it's all part of the process to create and make that clay ready to be used. I remember being a, an art student many moons ago, okay, a long time ago as an art student, and I love clay and love working with clay. But do you know, like in the process of them packaging clay, when they send it to you, they send it usually wrapped up in a plastic container, usually wrapped up in, in plastic, uh, some kind of plastic wrap. And when you pull that out in the process where they make it, it's bubbly. There's air pockets in it. And if you just take that clay out of the package and you just form it, if there are air pockets in it, when you put that in the kiln, to uh, be finished, if there's an air pocket somewhere in there, as the clay contracts because of the heat, what it'll do is it'll just blow a hole in the side of that thing that you created. So what has to happen? You have to take that clay out, and you have to smash it against the table. <laughs> time and time again, you have to knead it over and over again until, and work every bubble of air out of it until it's ready to be formed. Are you getting the picture of what I'm trying to come across here today? Is that there are many times in our life when we've been through things and it feels like we're just being thrown around and it feels like we're being poked and prodded and spun in different directions and we are just wondering to ourselves, God, what is the point? 
Why are we going through this? What are you intending to do and trying to do in me and through me through this all? Because I don't see the end result of it. But this is part of God's process. Romans 9, 20 to 21 say, on the contrary, who are you, foolish person, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Will it? Or does the potter not have the right over the clay to make from the same lump one object for honorable use and another for common use? What does it mean? It means that, you know, it's, think about that piece of clay on there. And the clay can't speak back to the potter. But imagine the, the piece of clay saying to the potter, is like, well, what are you making? Are you making it right? Are you doing it the right way? Why are you making me this way? And the point that Paul is making in, in Romans chapter 9 is that God has the right and ability to make each person into what he wants to make them based on his will and his plan for them. Some will be used for honorable use. Some will be used for very common things. But God is creating and shaping and molding and making us into what he wants to use us for. Isaiah 45, 9 says, Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. A piece of pottery among earthenware pottery pieces. Will the clay say to the potter, What are you doing? Or a thing that he is making say, He has no hands. Or another way of saying that is, Look how clumsy he is making me. And so we sometimes question, well, God, why are you doing it this way? Why can't you do it a different way? And we sometimes question his leading and guiding. We may even be inclined to think that God's doing it wrong and may even argue with him about the way he's doing it. But remember that a clay pot is formed on the wheel. When a pot is ready to create, he wets the clay and puts it in the center of the wheel then turns the wheel and he keeps moving it and increasing the speed and he keeps the clay wet and he forms it with his hands, hollowing out the space for where the cup will be, shaping the outside. It's messy and beautiful to watch because little spritzes of clay are going everywhere as this is happening. It's both beautiful and messy and when God is working in our lives, it can both be beautiful and messy. Can I tell you that usually messy comes before beautiful? If you're a mother, you understand this when you gave birth to your children, right? Messy came before beautiful. Before that child was ever placed in your arms, you had to give birth to it, it had to be cleaned off, and then placed in your arms. Messy comes before beautiful. Can I challenge you to remember that today as you go through the things that you're going through that your life might seem like it's a mess, but God is actually bringing forth and giving birth to something beautiful in you. It can be a dizzying process for the clay. The clay doesn't know. It's just an inanimate object. It doesn't know when the spinning is going to stop. It doesn't know how fast or slow things are going to go. It doesn't even know what it will eventually be. And the only one who does know is the potter, the creator, the master artist. Everything about that process is in the complete control of the potter. He controls the speed. He controls the shaping and the final result. The Lord is the potter. God is the potter. He's shaping us into what he wants us to be. He has a plan and purpose in mind for each of us. Something that he is making us into that we cannot see. And there are times even when you know what you're supposed to be. Like God's spoken to you. 
like what you're going to be doing. Maybe it's to sing. Maybe it's to be a preacher. Maybe it's to, to do missions work. Maybe it's to be a worship leader. Even when you know what God wants you to do, sometimes he has a different process of getting you there than you think the way it should go. There are times where I go, oh, it's very obvious to me, God, if you're asking me to do this, then clearly there's a progression that, we, that I think you should be doing. And God, why aren't you doing it this way? I know you've never said that to God. I have. But God, why don't you do it this way? It makes more sense. God, why don't you do it this way? It's easier. It seems simpler. God, why are you taking me the long way? It's like the difference between your GPS where there's the direct route with the tolls and everything like that and then you uh, program in your GPS and it decides to take you on every back road through Granville to get you to where you need to go. And it's like, I didn't need to do this. But sometimes we do. Because in that journey that God's preparing us and making us into what we need to be to be what he wants us to be. And it's on the journey that we meet people, we encounter people. It's on the journey that we go through different experiences. And it might seem like the long way home, but God is still bringing you to where he said he was going to bring you. But if you get frustrated and say, well, I'm jumping off this wheel because it's not going as fast as I'd like it to, then we're going to miss and be incomplete and not be the finished product that God has planned for us. God's the potter. We must trust his process in making us. We are the clay. And just as foolish as it sounds like the idea of clay talking to the potter and arguing with him, it's just as foolish for us to try and tell God how to do his job. You ever done that? God, why don't you do it this way? God, you should do it this way. It's kind of like when you hire a plumber or a contractor to do work at your house, and then you stand there to tell them how they should be doing it. (laughs) When that happens, it's actually not helping at all. If you knew what you were doing, you would just do it yourself, but you hired somebody. So let them do their job. The same thing holds true with God. If we really trust him, do we really trust him? Do we trust God in the way that we're saying that, you know, God, I trust you, but I want you to spell it out for me. God, I trust you, but like, can you just run the process by me before we do it? <laughs> and where it's not like God is our colleague, God is our CEO, okay? We let him guide and direct. And trust is about relinquishing that illusion of control to the Lord. Saying, okay, God, if this is the way you want to do it, then we'll do it. The thing about the wheel is there's a lot of spinning and motion, and it may even feel like it's out of control. But as long as the clay stays on the center of the wheel, it will not fall off. As long as it stays perfectly centered in the middle of the spinning, it will not come to ruin. It's when the clay is moved away from the center of the wheel that it becomes unbalanced. And the shifting and speed of the process throws the clay off onto the floor. The key for us, if we want to be really developed into what God wants us to be, is to stay in the center of what he's doing. We need to stay close to the center. The tendency is that when life is crazy, when work, family, and life stresses spin faster and faster, 
we get our focus off of where it should be and start looking elsewhere. We gravitate away from the center and become unbalanced. Think about this for a minute. When we get our eyes off the center of the Lord, when we get our eyes off of Him in our life, and we get our eyes on our circumstances, we feel what? Unbalanced. We feel like we can't handle it anymore. But I want you to know that God designed you and created you to handle it. Do you understand what I'm saying? The spinning's part of the shaping. The firing is part of the finishing. Do you understand what I'm saying? He created you for that. But you're saying, I can't handle it. And you get your eyes off of the center and off of him. And that's when we feel unbalanced. And that's when we feel like we're going to fling off into the distance somewhere. But if we can keep our eyes on him, we will be better off. Wherever your gaze is, that's where you go. Wherever your gaze is, that's where you go. I was teaching my son how to drive. He now has his license. He's a good driver. But I remember we were driving on, uh, on one of the roads or one of the highways, and I said we were passing by a really big truck. And I gave him this piece of advice, is that when you're driving by a really big truck, make sure you keep your eyes straight ahead. Keep the truck out of your periphery, but don't look at the truck. Because wherever you look at, that's where you go. Okay? You look at the truck, you are getting closer to the truck. But as long as you keep your eyes straight ahead and you nervously out of the peripheral vision, make sure, and I always feel like they're going to run over me personally. My wife's like, will you just calm down? Because <laughs> I'm always like moving over because I'm worried that it's going to cross into our lane. And sometimes it does. But wherever your gaze goes, that's where you will go. And so when it comes to the problems of your life, wherever your attention focuses on, that's where you're going to find yourself ending up. We need to fix our focus when things are crazy or out of control. Don't fix your focus on those things. If you do, they'll throw you for a loop. Instead, fix your focus on the Lord. Now, how do we do this? How do we uh, fix our focus on the Lord? Well, I want you to write these down. This is not terribly profound. This is just I, not the Lord, okay? Yeah, every so often, Paul would write things down. And he'd say, you know, this is my personal opinion. This is not divine inspiration here. But in this case, I want you to share some things with you. How do we keep our focus on the Lord? How do we keep him at the center? Well, first and foremost, make time with God your first priority. At the start of your day, before you begin anything, spend time with God. We say, well, that's simple. And it's like, okay, I understand that, but do you do it? That's the question. And then when the answer is probably no, then you know what the issue is. You'll be amazed that when you spend your first few moments of the day with the Lord, whether it be in prayer or in the Word, how much more at peace you'll be when you start your day. And how much more smoothly the day will go when you start it with prayer and His leading. Even when things kind of come your way and are a little unsettling, if you start your day with the Lord and make Him a priority first thing, things will go a lot differently. That's the first thing. Secondly, simplify your schedule. Simplify your schedule. Many times when we fill our schedules with extra activities, we wonder why we're stressed out. You picked up an extra job. You decided to sign the kids up for soccer. You decided to you know, sign yourself up for men's basketball league. And you decided to do some other things on the weekend. And all of a sudden you realize your schedule is really full, and yet you're feeling to yourself like, I'm not in control anymore. The truth is you just need to simplify your schedule. 
to cut out the things that don't need to be there. Now listen, unfortunately, a lot of people cut out church, cut out their time with God, cut out times for midweek or prayer meeting or Sunday morning service. I'm not talking about cutting out those things. You need those things. In fact, you'll find your life more unbalanced without them. I'm talking about taking control of your schedule and saying, you know what, what's important? What's a priority for me? What's the most important? I can guarantee you, if you look at your calendar, people will be able to tell what's important to you. What they see on there will reflect and show your priorities. When you simplify your schedule, you'll recognize things are a little bit more at ease. Thirdly, realize you can't control everything. You can't control everything. This includes unexpected inconveniences, illnesses, unexpected bills. Control the things you can control. But stop trying to control the things you can't control. You can't control what people think of you. You can't control what your boss is going to do. You can't control the outcome of the markets. You can't control any of these things. But we sometimes think to ourselves, well, I need to be in complete control of everything. Resolve yourself to the fact that there are things that are going to be out of your control. But rather trust that God is in control. Put things in his hands and let go of some of those things. Let go of some of those things. How many times have you been kept up at night with things that keep you up? Anxiety, stresses, worries, things that need to be done. And how much time have you lost sleep over that? Because you can't control it. So you need to let it go when you go to bed at night and trust God. Four, take positive steps to change the things that you can change. Look over your life. What causes you the greatest stresses and challenges? What can you change? Think about it. You ever wonder to yourself, like, okay, certain people stress me out. I know there's not anybody like that in your family or that you hang out with, but there are people that stress you out. So sometimes you have to say to yourself, maybe I need a, a little bit less of them in my life. Does it make sense? Sometimes we've got to say, okay, you know what? I need to do less of that in my life and have less of that going on. Take the positive st- steps to change. What could you get rid of? Sometimes we find ourselves in the same frustration, same patterns financially, same patterns emotionally, same patterns in our life. What can we change about that so that things are different? And when we change those things, we'll recognize, you know what? Life's a little bit better because of that. Sometimes it's a matter of asking somebody for advice or asking somebody to help you out. Many times you can't see what needs to be changed because you're not looking in the right places. You need an objective set of eyes. You need somebody to go, you know what? I need help and I need your advice. What do you think I can do to fix this? Asking for advice. And asking for help, too. If you don't know how to do something, if you're stuck in a situation, asking for help. Sometimes one of the hardest things in the world to do is to ask for help. Number five, set your mind on things above. A biblical principle. It says in uh, Colossians 3.2, to set your mind on things above. Think about the good. Don't fixate on the bad. Some of us are so caught up with the worst case scenario. You watch the news and you think to yourself, the world's coming to an end tomorrow or next week. 
or everything that's bad is going to happen. It's going to happen immediately, and it's going to happen to me. Sometimes we need to shut off the news and simply get into God's word and to trust that he's got the number of our days in his hand and that he has a plan and purpose for me that he is going to work out. Don't catastrophize. That's a word. Don't immediately think that everything that's going to happen to you is going to be bad and that it's always going to be the worst case scenario. Why don't we set our minds on things above and trust the one who's leading and guiding us and believe that he has a plan for us that is ultimately for our good and for his purpose? Philippians 4.8 says this, whatever things are true, that's a good one to start off with. Whatever's accurate and true, think on those things. Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything peaceworthy, think on these things. But sometimes we don't. We sit at home worried, nervous, anxious, fearful, staying up at night, worried about these things. Life feels like it's spinning out of control and we feel unstable. But if we think on the things that God has done for us, if we dwell on what he has done for us and what he has planned for us, dwell on these things, then we'll find the peace of God enters our situation. Focus on what the Lord says and not on negativity. Focus on the good of what God can do. Finally, number six, fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When you get your eyes on other things, I encourage you to get your eyes back on Jesus. Remember, he says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. So if you started your walk with Jesus, he began that. He was the author of that. And when it all comes to an end, whether it's the end of your life or whether it's the purpose that you're supposed to do, he has that written out for you. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Your life is a book with open pages in hand. And God has his pen out, and he is writing the story of your life. And you might look at your life and say, well, I don't like some of the pages in that story. But some of those pages were your own doing. The times where you took the pen out of his hand and said, I'm going this way. And your book became a very interesting, suspenseful cliffhanger. And then you turn your life over to God, and you said, okay, God, I, I choose to follow you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Lord, I want you to be in control, lead and guide my life. And then he starts writing the pages of your life, starts filling out the pages of your life. And then it comes bumps in the road, there comes difficulties along the way, and as, as the story begins to unfold, you're like, I don't like that story. I don't like where this is going. So once again, you try and take the pen out of his hand. You try and write your own, this is how it is, and they all lived happily ever after. But your happily ever after wasn't part of God's plan in the first place. And the way you came about it wasn't the way that he wanted you to come about it. He still had a happily ever after for you, but you had your own designs on that. 
And so God will let you take the pen out of his hand from time to time. Let you write your own little side story until you go, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I feel like life's out of control. I feel like I, I, I'm coming unhinged and unglued. And you know what you do in that situation? You say, here's the pen. Here's the pen. I'm sorry I took it out of your hand. Will you write the next pages of my life? Sometimes we look back on our life like, God, why was that in there? Some of the best stories are the ones that you don't know how it's going to turn out. Some of the best stories are when the the main character faces incredible odds and overcomes. Some of the most favorite characters that people have in stories are people that they can relate to that weren't perfect, but went through stuff and came out on top because they had strong faith and they had trust in God. So we need to get back to trusting in Him trusting his guidance, his direction. He starred the story and he knows how to end it. He created you and he knows what you're made for. He has a design in mind and the process to make you to what you're supposed to be. Can I tell you today, trust God's process. Trust the spinning, the shaping, the stretching, the molding, the firing, the finishing. You may, not even, you may even look at what God's doing in your life and wonder what he is up to as sometimes you have a pot that is formed and created and it's stretched. This little lump of clay is like, I don't bend that way. I don't stretch that way. That's not the way I'm supposed to be. But God knows what you're supposed to be created for. He knows what you're supposed to be made into. And you might feel like you're kind of thin in places. You might feel like you're being stretched in other ways. But trust God's process that he's making you into something useful, something beautiful, and something wonderful. God can even use your pain and your troubles for his purposes. Can I challenge you today that when you're stressed, when you're strained, when you're tempted, when you think about taking your eyes off of Jesus, remember to look back to him. Remember his love for you. Remember his grace and kindness he showed to you. Remember his mercy and forgiveness. If you've ever questioned God's intent for you, reflect upon all that he's done for you so far. And has he been faithful? Has he been good? Has he been always there for you? Then trust that, especially when we look off to the distance and say, I don't think I'm going to make it. Instead, come back to him and say, I trust you. In the middle of all this, I trust you. Can we pray this morning? I don't know where you are at today, but I know that life can be really stressful at times. I know there are times where it feels like nothing is coming together the way it should. I know there are times where it feels like nothing good can come out of where you're at right now. But if you love the Lord and you follow the Lord today, know that he has a plan and his purpose for you is good and he's not forgotten about you. In fact, he's the one who's spinning the wheel. He's the one that's forming you. He's the one that's working and shaping you. Do you trust him to do that in you? This morning, we need to cry out to God. Say, God, I need you even more than I did before. I need you more than I needed you yesterday. And I've got my eyes off of you, but Lord, I... I, I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to choose to look 
to you once more. If that's your desire today, will you join me in this prayer as we pray and we ask God to guide and direct our steps and to make us into what he wants us to be and to not complain or struggle or fight or be combative with him, but just simply trust the hand of the potter today. Can we do that? It's today. Gracious God, I just look to you today. Thank you, Lord God, that you've always been there. From the very beginning, you've always been there. And that, God, that you took our life that was just clay, formless and lifeless. You knit us together in our mother's womb and you created us out of nothing and you set us apart as sons and daughters of God for great things. And God, forgive me for the times that I've gotten my eyes off of you and got caught up in my circumstances and caught up in the things that are stressing me out. Instead, today, Lord, we return to you. God, we reaffirm once more that we trust you and that we will look to you and we'll let you guide us and direct us. And that, Lord, even when we're uncomfortable, even when we're being stretched, even when we're being strained, Lord God, that we believe that you will make us into what you want us to be. Help us to not forget our purpose. Help us not to forget what you've done in us. Help us not to forget your faithfulness. May we see what you're going to do in us all the way through to completion. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.